So as I made clear, I am an anti-social Canadian living in a very social country, which is Brazil. And I'm also just very socially awkward, I feel like. And like, I never know what to say in social situations or I'll say something and then I'll think about what I said and did months later and it'll keep me up at night. But that being said, I'm not against a friendship blossoming organically in the wild, like a chance encounter where two kindred spirits meet and become besties for life. Like, I'd be okay with that sort of situation. And a little while ago, this organic moment appeared to be taking place at the mall. So let me tell you what happened. So I went out the other day with my kids to the mall and on our way out we stopped to get some ice cream at a kiosk and the way it works is they give you a receipt with your order on it and then you make your way down the line to where someone else is making the ice cream you give them your receipt they give you the ice cream and you're on your way okay so I place the order I get the receipt and I'm waiting in line for my kids and we're talking making conversation in English of course and the girl making the ice cream, she's about my age, maybe a bit younger, she overhears our conversation and says, oh, are you foreigners? And there are not a lot of foreigners or English speakers in the city that I live, it's pretty small, so we often stand out. And I'm like, yes, I'm Canadian, and we speak English, whatever. And she's like, oh, I actually speak a little bit of English myself. And she's telling me how she learned and where she's traveled. And she asked me what I'm doing in Brazil. And I basically tell her my life story about how I ended up here. And she's really friendly, but not like the overly annoyingly friendly. You know, it's like just the right amount. And I'm not normally very chatty, but I'm getting a good vibe. And we're making conversation. It's very organic. And then she says, well, it was really nice to meet you you know, signaling the wrapping up of the conversation. And it's at this moment that she extends her hand over the counter. So of course I reach out and I shake her hand vigorously and I'm thinking, wow, you know, I must've really made an impression. Like, are we best friends now? I don't know. And I'm like, yeah, it was great to meet you also. And she kind of like pulls her hand back awkwardly and is like, Oh, I was actually just reaching for your receipt. I just need to see what you ordered. And I'm like, oh, okay, yep, nope, that checks out. And it was like this awkward moment. And then she had to still make the ice cream. So I'm like standing there, not knowing what to say. It was just, it was awkward. And in the car, I was replaying this cringy, awkward moment in my head, as you do. And I'm like, why would I assume she wanted to shake my hand? Like, are we two businessmen in the 1940s? Like, who is shaking hands at the mall? And like, this is why I don't have friends and why I should probably just stay a hermit. But then it really got me thinking, like, maybe I should do online dating, but for like friends, where you can put in information about yourself, what you want, you know, not overly friendly. Prefers text over calls, no social skills. You know, maybe there's something like that already. I don't know. If there's not, then there probably should be. So we actually have a letter from a listener to read today, which is super exciting. I always love some mail. 
Um, here's what it says. Dear AC, so it took me a while, but I'm pretty sure that stands for Antisocial Canadian. So first of all, I love that. Totally going to use it. Dear AC, I came across your podcast from a friend and I wanted to say I really enjoyed it. I actually wanted to address what you said in your first episode about content creators not being authentic. I am a content creator with a pretty good following on social media. I understand what you're saying and I get that people wonder if everything we do is just for content. I can't speak for everyone, but I will say for myself that I still do live an authentic life. And even though you could say I monetize, quote unquote, my everyday life, I still see it as a job. When I'm not filming myself or my family, I am very present in the moment. Of course, if something happens, I will talk about it if I think my followers want to know about it, but it is two very separate things for me. Excited for the show, M. Oh, thank you, M, for the kind note and for your insight. I also love that you called it a show. It sounds so official. I honestly was not expecting anybody to write in, but if you would like to drop a line, you can head to my website at antisocialanecdotes.com slash contact and send a message or write to me on Instagram. I would love to hear from you. And if you're not a turd, I will read your note on the show if you would like. All right, let's take a quick break. So I heard something really interesting this week, um, and I kind of wanted to explore it a bit. And it's the question that, does our childhood cement the foundation of who we are for the rest of our lives? So I was at my kid's school this week for an assembly, and they had a psychologist come in and do this presentation about educating your child and making sure you're setting them up for life and all that good stuff. And she said that. And I quote, your childhood is the floor of the house that you step on for the rest of your life. You can change the paint, you can add the windows, build up stories, whatever, but the base of your house will forever be your childhood and the interactions that were formed in it. And I thought that was an interesting idea and maybe worth exploring. Because if I think about the landscape of my childhood, I think that I would describe it in two words, imagination and isolation. I did have friends and neighbors and people in my life, but I spent many hours either playing alone in my room or at the park climbing trees. And the scene was always set in some kind of imaginary world with imaginary characters. You know, I had an imaginary friend and I would just get lost in it. And My childhood was pretty unremarkable, which I think actually speaks volumes in and of itself, that it was safe and happy, which quite honestly, in today's world, is actually quite remarkable. And I wouldn't say there were any real traumatic or even really memorable events or moments that took place that I would say shaped me. People often say, this and this happened in my childhood and it really just set the stage and shaped who I was. And I don't really remember anything like that happening in particular. Now as an adult, having been diagnosed with OCD and anxiety, I can see the seeds of these disorders manifesting when I think back. Seemingly harmless things like constantly counting the number of steps and having to land on the right number and quietly repeating certain phrases or words that made me feel safe and that everything would be okay or having 
these irrational fears about things happening and not being able to sleep. Like I can see all of those things now, even though perhaps there wasn't the resources or understanding to explore them in the past. And it does make me wonder about the genetic component to mental health and different disorders because so much is really just out of our control because even if we create an optimal environment for our kids, it can still breed mental unwellness, clearly, because there's always going to be this symbiotic relationship between genes and environment that create a unique human being and ultimately a unique state of mental health for each of us. And I think that's both fascinating and almost unnerving in a sense that you really just can't predict how anyone and how your kids are going to turn out no matter the environment that you create for them. I also think this idea that our childhood lays the foundation for the rest of our life also puts a lot of pressure on parents to create this wonderful, perfect existence for their kids so that the flooring, so to speak, as the psychologist said, is perfect. And it's basically just saying, you know, parents don't ruin your kids for life. But I also don't necessarily think that it means that life has to be perfect or filled with incredible, unforgettable experiences. I think maybe it's also just about learning to adapt to the challenges. And if you can't create an optimal environmental space, because, you know, things do happen and there are things that are out of our control, but perhaps giving them the tools to walk through those challenges is sufficient to build the base, quote unquote. And actually just talking about OCD reminded me of a funny story. Um, So I saw a therapist a couple years ago for OCD, anxiety, mental health in general, and I'm sitting in his office and I'm telling him my life story and we're talking and he says, you know, I feel like a lot of these issues that you have are rooted in your need to control. And when you don't have control over a situation, it makes you really uncomfortable and anxious. And he says, you know, I I think we should work on this. And I was like, okay. And he's like, why don't we start really small? He's like, so do you like, do you like making cookies with your kids? And I was like, well, yeah, sure. I mean, I let them help up until a certain point. They were like toddlers at this time. So, you know, toddlers in the kitchen, no one needs that kind of chaos. He's like, okay, so this is good. When do you kind of intervene? Like, when do you not let them help anymore? And I was like, well, I let them help until basically it's time to roll the cookie dough into balls and put it on the sheet. And he's like, well, why don't you let them do that? And I was like, the because they're three and don't have fine motor skills and have you seen a toddler in the kitchen like it it wouldn't work and he's like well what would happen and I was like all right let me indulge you they would make the balls all different shapes and sizes and they wouldn't be evenly spaced and it would just be a nightmare and he's like well what would happen if you put that tray in the oven I'm like they would burn because they're not evenly spaced nor evenly sized out. And he was like, would that be the end of the world? 
And I was like, look, bud, like I, yes, it would. But if this is what you're implying that I do, then fine. He's like, yes, I want you to go home. I want you to just let them do it until the very end. Look at the sheet, the cookie sheet, and just put it in the oven the way it is. And I was like, you are a monster, but okay. So I went home and my kids were like toddlers, as I said. So we're making this, the cookies, and they're like, oh, so excited, right? Like, oh my goodness, we never get to do this. So they are rolling the dough. And I mean, maybe you don't have OCD, so this is not going to bother you. But imagine like a cookie sheet where all the cookie balls are different shapes and sizes and like 80% of them are just smushed onto one corner of the baking sheet and you are not allowed to fix it. It just needs to go into the oven that way. Like I think he actually ignited a new OCD in me. I think this was supposed to be helpful in some way, but honestly, it just, it was horrifying and it it gave me nightmares. Like I can't even think about this cookie shape with, anyway, um, I, maybe that was supposed to be helpful therapy, but I just, I still can't think about it. Anyway, so moving on. also curious about how much effort it takes to unlearn unhealthy behaviors or coping mechanisms that we learn in our childhood. Or if it's possible to, you know, if we go with this idea that the interactions and the childhood that you have creates the foundation of the house, the structure of your life, if it's possible to renovate it, so to speak or if we just sort of have to adapt to the way it is. I mean, I guess that's probably the purpose of therapy, to unlearn all those things and restructure, so to speak. I also think, like, wouldn't it be so interesting if we could somehow create a tangible or visual landscape of this abstract concept of the childhood foundation? I feel like it'd be so interesting, probably really insightful, when we think of how people or adults behave, if we can see this foundation, you know, and where different people have cracks and where they've repaired it and how ultimately that affects the structure of who they are as adult human beings. I don't know, maybe one day artificial intelligence will create something like that. Well, anyway, that's really all I've got for you today. If you enjoyed this episode of Antisocial Anecdotes, you can subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you would like to leave a note, hop on over to my website at antisocialanecdotes.com slash contact. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.